Listen to this. This is the tape I found downstairs. Hello, I'm Harry. Hello, I'm Rory. And you're listening to Games on Film. This latest episode of Games on Film, this podcast which celebrates video game movies, um, but we're going back to the cabin in the woods or the high-rise apartment to discuss a uh, a fairly influential film series. Um, influential not in terms of just horror, but in video games themselves. What is the series we're going to talk about today? We are talking about The Evil Dead. And we're so doing to mark the recent release of a new instalment in the franchise, Evil Dead Rise, as Harry alluded to earlier. Plus, just recently, the Game of the Year edition of Evil Dead The Game. The the definitive The Game. But there's actually been a few Evil Dead games in the past. Um, So we're going to discuss those as best we can. We've played some of them, not all of them. And we're going to discuss the film series And then we'll do a little bit about Evil Dead Rise, but don't worry, we won't go into deep spoilers on that film. Um, But where should we begin? Should we just talk about the whole franchise as a whole? Well, perhaps we should go back to our first encounter with Mm. Evil Dead as a series. And it would have been Channel 4's Censored Season... Mm. which I did the research for and I looked up and it was back in 1999 and I even found the YouTube video which has Mark Kermode introducing the broadcast, the TV broadcast of Evil Dead 2. And uh, in the comment section underneath, there's a comment from animation director Lee Hardcastle, who's probably best known for his claymation horror films, including Pingu's The Thing, (laughs) <laughs> I um, love that. As well as um, an installment... The best, the best in, thing sequel, I think. <laughs> as well as or an installment remake. of ABCs of Death, I think he did a segment called Tears for Toilet, which is a kind of gory claymation horror about a, a demonic toilet. And he had a comment underneath sort of saying, oh, when I saw this when I was 14, this like changed my life and all that kind of stuff. And I sort of feel like us watching Evil Dead 2 at that time might have also changed our lives just a, just a oh, little I, bit. I have that in my notes, yes. there's. I mean, I've said this to other people, and they say, oh, don't be ridiculous, but there are films which change your life. And I remember, um, I think you had gone to bed because you're just a little bit young, younger, and I was watching that censored. It was actually a double build because they showed zombie flesh eaters, the notorious zombie flesh eaters, just before... And I think and... we wanted to watch... I think the reason we recorded anything was because uh, we wanted to watch Zombie Flesh Eaters because of Dawn of the Dead, which yeah, was, again, we, we something more... we'd seen um, maybe a bit too young. And For me, for me, it was like Zombie Flesh Eaters was the main event and Evil Dead 2, I thought I might as well. 
because especially because I've not seen the first one, I'm certainly aware of the first one. My drama teacher at school had a had a VHS coffee coffee a VHS copy no doubt um you know censored to buggery but um so I had this notoriety they censored all the buggery <laughs> all about if you watch Evil Dead now the buggery's still not there <laughs> um but yes I had this notoriety Evil Dead 2 but I thought hey I think it was past midnight or something but I still wanted to watch just to see maybe to the first ad break and I was watching Bruce Campbell like smashing his own face with plates with his demonic hand. And I was like, why isn't this guy a megastar? I mean, 1999 was pure Jim Carrey territory. And he was as limber and as ridiculous as Jim Carrey. And I remember like telling you in the morning, I, I, I stayed up until I think he chainsawed his hand um, off. And then I did say it's, it's bedtime. It's really bedtime. Not because I was scared because I'm really tough. But because it was bedtime. Um, but I remember the next morning saying, oh, Rory, he's like Jim Carrey. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, Me that's being my the biggest Jim Carrey fan Jim Carrey in the world. <laughs> but yeah, life changing, industry shifting. Um, I did film at university and we were discussing like, like there was like a lecture and the lecturers were talking about important directors and, and important films and i'm somebody not me somebody mentioned what about sam raimi and they're like who's sam raimi and there was such the intake of breath from all the film students thinking mm. we're just, we've gone to the wrong fucking university here <laughs> welcome to the first of tonight's zombie double bill the rip-roaring horror farce evil dead 2 appropriately subtitled dead by dawn which follows in the footsteps of one of the most notorious shockers of recent years. Back in the early 80s, Sam Raimi's seminal low-budget romp, The Evil Dead, got caught up in what became known as the Video Nasty Scare, a national witch hunt against horror tapes fueled by the tabloids and orchestrated by the Director of Public Prosecutions, who produced a list of around 60 video titles which the police were advised were impoundable. Now, despite significant court victories, which actually got it removed from that list, The Evil Dead was tainted with the stigma of obscenity and only resurfaced on video years later, minus a minute of cuts in addition to the 40 seconds already slashed out of it for its UK cinema release. According to Chief Censor James Furman, the problem with The Evil Dead was partly that the name of the game was excess and it was just too excessive, and partly that under the terms of the 1984 Video Recordings Act, the BBFC were now duty-bound to produce a version of The Evil Dead that was significantly different from the one which had gotten into trouble before the VRA was in place. In the meantime, Sam Raimi got on with creating his own significantly different version of The Evil Dead, namely Evil Dead 2, which is less a sequel than a remake, shot with more money, more jokes and more ambitiously entertaining special effects, but using essentially the same spam-in-a-cabin scenario as before. When it came to classifying Evil Dead 2, the British censors were still a little bit twitchy, cutting a couple of seconds of head-kicking fun from the film and video versions, but generally treating the sequel with far more respect and indeed affection than its savagely dismembered predecessor. So, sit back and enjoy the comic shocker Evil Dead 2 Dead by Dawn in nearly all its gory glory, and prepare to discover that there are few things funnier than being scared out of your skin. I think it definitely had a, a huge impression. And I, I think the number of people who um, cite Evil Dead 2 as either an influence on their filmmaking or just a favourite film of all time, it's like a real touchstone where 
if you mention Evil Dead 2, it becomes like an instant sort of bonding experience for those who just like say, oh, I love Evil Dead 2. And it's not to take away from the Evil Dead or anything that came afterwards. But um, I think many would consider that the, the high point of the franchise mm-hmm. in terms of its combination of excessive violence and gore, but also its humour, its slapstick, its ceaseless inventive camera work and sound design. Just it's a it's a it's cinema. It's pure cinema. <laughs> I think it's definitely a touchstone touchstone for anyone who has any aspirations of making a film because what happened was this. So the Evil Dead, as I mentioned, was super notorious, but um Sam Raimi, um, the director, um, I think from Mitch Michigan, am I correct there? Or he stepped to coffee and gave me a nod. Um the thing is, despite the notoriety of the original Evil Dead, him and his mate Bruce Campbell and is it Rob Tappert, were they all friends together making a film together? I believe I believe uh Rob Tappert was um was he I think he was roommates with Sam Raimi's brother and we, we've got our Evil um, Dead companions Sam here, and pair Bruce of us. were friends <laughs> and <laughs> Basically, yeah, it was it was yeah. a bunch of people they were who just knew mates. each other. Yeah, and the thing is, the thing is, they were not, and I would say, continue to not be that interested in horror. They made a horror film because they wanted to make money, and at that time, with films like, um, I would say, this is post The Exorcist, I believe. Yeah, so it was yeah. it was kind post of a Exorcist, response post in a Chainsaw. way to. Yeah, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Exorcist, Halloween had come out 78 and they made the film in 79. Mm. And basically, they made it as nice as possible because they just legitimately thought this is this this will get us the notification, the notification, this will get us noticed. And that absolutely happened. Perhaps they didn't expect to be labelled a video nasty in the UK, which outright bans the film for many years. And it's so funny to look at films like Zombie Flesh Eaters and Texas Chainsaw and Evil Dead. They seem so quaint now. They seem so charming. And also so little gore for famously happens in Texas Chainsaw. That film feels grubby. It feels nasty. But nothing so bad happens in it. I mean, who hasn't hung Yeah, they just put me? it on in, in kindergarten nowadays. It's just... Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, sharing the older skin mask. Um, it's Peppa Pig, Texas Chainsaw <laughs> Massacre, and Bluey. Bluey. <laughs> um, so... Here's the thing. They made The Evil Dead and then with that success, they wanted to make their their comedy gangster movie, Crime Wave. And that was a total abomination. And not not purely because of Sam Raimi at all. It was... I think think the studio was very hands-on. Perhaps didn't quite get what Sam Raimi wanted to do. Sam Raimi wanted his friend Bruce Campbell to be the lead, but he got pushed back to a more minor role. It was an absolute nightmare. And coming out of that experience, which I think to this day Sam Raimi doesn't want to talk about, um, he was like, I'm never going to be... I basically completely shat the bed with my film career. So he went back to make Evil Dead 2, which is kind of a remake 
but with just a little bit more money, a little bit more experience, and why it's such a touchstone for filmmakers, it does, it does represent an indie filmmaker saying, this is my last shot, I'm going to give it my all, and just the confidence of the camera work, the tone, the comedy, there's still, it's still a little bit rough around the edges when it comes to the special effects, but that all adds to like the Looney Tunes charm. It's so excessive. It's really weird to call it like the ultimate experience grueling terror because it which is his tagline because it's just ridiculous and I think it's absolutely my was definitely one of my favorite films of all time and I've got loads of Evil Dead merch. I've waiting to be hung in my new place is an Army of Darkness poster signed by our uh, Bruce Campbell and Sam Raimi's brother Ted Raimi, who's a, a mainstay of the films as well. Um, I actually looked up the convention that we went to, mm-hmm. which was in 1999, which apparently was the same year as the census season. So we must have watched that and just fallen hard for Evil Dead in the same year. Crazy. And attended wow. this convention in 1999 near Heathrow. And it was ostensibly a, a Xena and Hercules convention. I wouldn't say ostensibly. It was a Xena, Zeta and Hercules convention. <laughs> because, so Xena, Warrior Princess and Hercules Legendary Journeys were also produced by um, uh, Rob Tappert and I think Sam Raimi is sort of actually producing it. And so Bruce Campbell and Ted Raimi appear in it in, in both those seasons as sort of secondary characters. And this was our chance to meet them both. So a bunch of, you know, a couple of nerdy teenagers were there just sort of like, ugh, Xena, ugh, Hercules. We want to ask them evil dead questions. Well, I, I, was, I was hoping it wasn't that snobby, but you're absolutely correct. There was like these Q&A sessions. And of course, Bruce Campbell is just such a great, like kind of asshole on stage. You know, he's deliberately trolling the audience. But yeah, every single question was like about season two of Zen Warrior Princess or what this character doing Hercules. They showed a banned episode of Zen Warrior Princess, I remember, because it was a little bit scary. Um, and then at the back, hands up, little voice saying, so like, did you play evil Ash in Army of Darkness? <laughs> and I think Bruce Campbell was like a little perplexed to be like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because you got to remember, there was no internet movie database or, or the very, very, I, I don't, I think I checked evil internet movie database and it just didn't make it clear. So I was Asked him that, and then I asked, because another Evil Dead question, I asked him what was his preferred alternate ending to Army of Darkness, because that film has an American ending, which I think was forced by the studio, but nevertheless has become like the definitive and iconic ending. And then there's like the European ending, where Ash, having spent the, the entire film in the past, drinks too many time-travelling drops or sleeping drops and ends up in a post-apocalyptic future. So I put my hand up and I said, what's your favourite ending? And he said, what's your favourite ending? <laughs> and I was like, oh God, he's got me there. I was very sat, sat on the fence. I told him kind of both. I think that's <laughs> the, the... I think the, the VHS version of Army of Darkness that we had is still like the only version of Army of Darkness that I see in my... You know, like you recognize. Yeah, it's it's there's so there's like so many different versions and, you know, the final battle is all over the place, isn't it? Because there's a moment there's the typical moment when like Henry the Red's army arrives to turn the tide. But depending on what version you watch, that happens. Watch that happens either right at the start of the battle or really at the end to wrap things up. Yeah. And and 
you know, bless Anchor Bay Entertainment or whoever has the rights for the Evil Dead um, releasing anymore, but they they sure milked those DVD releases as much as possible. Oh yeah, you had a skanky your your um your quote unquote leather bound copy of the evil dead on dvd like this rubberized face is probably more skanky than the actual book of the book of the well, dead well I, I pulled it out for a a photo shoot um which will appear on the games and film socials and mm-hmm. um it's still good it still holds up but it smells though. that's the thing i i i thought hands oh, smell after holding it oh this doesn't smell as bad as it used to and then like an hour later i was just like man my fingers still really stink of this like <laughs> rubbery whatever oh, they use i mean it, it still looks I'm, good and then I, I miss i opened it up and i realized oh i have a bruce campbell signature in here too <laughs> i do miss the era of like ridiculously impractical dvd boxes in the early 2000s like that alien head uh the alien head there's alien a planet of the apes head i think or you could just like take your dvds out of dr zaius's <laughs> oh no well, it wasn't dr zaius it, it was one of the chimps Cornelius, anyway maybe? i don't know Cornelius, yes, take it out of Cornelius's head, <laughs> just like the film. But uh, yeah, Army of Darkness um, was the third in the trilogy, and is a more action adventure swashbuckler, kind of like a proto Xenia. It's like a proto Xenia and Hercules, isn't it? Yeah, and um, again, that didn't do particularly well at the box office either. But that's a hugely entertaining romp, very silly, uh, amping up the the comedy, um, skeleton army, sort of Ray Harryhausen-inspired soldiers. Fact, this one's just not a horror, in the slightest. As, it's, it's as much as a horror as Jason and the Argonauts is a horror, you know. And, and, and for that reason, I think some horror fans really despise it. In fact, just um, the other day I was on a, a message board for a horror podcast I listened to and this guy was like, I really enjoyed Evil Dead Rise. Brings it back to like Evil Dead 1 and 2. I hate Eve, Army of Darkness. And I, I commented beneath oh, my finger was going right for that like button but it suddenly diverted. <laughs> but I, I think that's the thing is that the Evil Dead films exist on a sliding scale of comedy and horror and I think what's fun about the films is that there's like an Evil Dead for, you know, whatever mood you're in, like whether you really want it sort of amped up and very intense or whether you want a more, you know, goofy romp. And mm. sometimes, you know, there'll be elements of that in other things. I think maybe the issue people have with Army of Darkness is that the character of Ash, as played by Bruce Campbell, does sort of shift um throughout mm. the movies he's he's a bit inconsistent because again the ash of evil dead 2 is that the same as the ash of evil dead 1 because it is this kind of remake reboot style thing and you don't want to get too bogged down in the timeline but by the time it gets to army of darkness he's like a real asshole and you sort of feel like yeah you kind of would be if you've just sort of survived a, a, the worst like, nightmarish night of it's your really life if, if you if you watch those films back to back, it it breaks your brain to imagine that Army of Darkness takes place like the day after Evil Dead 2. So in Evil Dead 2, he chainsaws his girlfriend's head off and has a complete mental breakdown. And then maybe 12 hours later, he's saying, give me some sugar baby by the <laughs> fire to like a medieval wench. And it's like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Dude. Um, yeah, I, I feel like he probably did snap 
and that's <laughs> but look, that's look, the behavior the of a of of someone who's going through a lot of uh, issues. The thing is, though, Bruce Campbell pulls it off. I mean, we've been talking about him already, like praising him, being like the Jim Carrey that never was. But we're going to get to like the the re- the, the the reboots and and potential sequels later on. But like, he makes that trilogy, and the first film is odd because he's like like Alien, which I also rewatched the recently. When the, when both Alien and um, Evil Dead starts, you don't expect Ash slash Ripley to be the main character, like the final boy slash girl. Um, again, it's quite interesting that Evil Dead is a final boy film when it's normally a final girl. But Ash gets just a smidgen more screen time because he's got this really corny relationship with his girlfriend, like giving a pendant to her. And it's like, that's weird. I mean, you got to remember that this first film, they're all kind of amateurs, like that. I know they really need to do a scream. So that one bit of romance is like kind of cringe. But by Evil Dead 2, I think Bruce Campbell had become more interested in being a, le- a legitimate actor. Um, and he's just, you know, absolutely fantastic. And, you know, he is an asshole in Army of Darkness, but I don't know. It's just it's just really funny calling guys sponge chin when he's got a big long beard and he's got those amazing amazing one-liners which would be insane if you saw a man actually say that while fighting the dead but you know they are really kick-ass in army of darkness yeah and i think speaking of one-liners that have entered the kind of pop culture lexicon um Mm -hmm. i think as as you've mentioned about how those one-liners appear verbatim in video games yeah there's a, so we'll move a bit to like the influence of the original trilogy at least and yes we you wanted to say it but we'll say it duke nukem 3d rips off army of darkness just completely brazenly to the point that at school I mean, we shouldn't be. We shouldn't have been playing uh, Duke Nukem with those uh, pixelated titty, titties being shaken. But like, you, you, people of my generation really associate lines like "Hail to the King, baby," and um, what's another one? "Come get some stuff like that." Try to think of any other lines. Does Duke Nukem say "groovy"? <laughs> he does say "groovy." Um, so those are like. They don't sound like much when you save them now. <laughs> but um, Duke Nukem 3D uh, was, was... People always forget that the Duke Nukem game started as like 2D platformers. Uh, but then Duke Nukem 3D arrived just at the perfect time when things like Doom uh, were, like, were like creating a real buzz. And Duke Nukem had just loads of audio crypts from what's the actor's name something st john is it john st john i think so and he just lots of pop culture quotes so i think in other games he also quotes like pulp fiction and things but if you weren't aware of the context then you just thought duke nukem's the guy who says hail to the king and and duke nukem's the guy who says groovy not austin powers <laughs> i mean actually I think that's on speaking of i it, think that's on us as much as anything you know it's, I, I will it, say it is like pop culture references and it's up to you whether you are 
you know, within the context of the pop culture of of the pop culture to understand the reference where it's coming from. It's like going back and watching old movies and realizing Simpsons was just doing a parody each time. Hail to the king, baby. Hail to the king, baby. Okay, and speaking of how these films have influenced me, I use the word groovy. I've been using it ever since I saw Evil Dead 2. And I do get annoyed if people think I'm being Austin Powers. No, when I write groovy in WhatsApp, I go groovy. Yeah, but you don't say baby at the end of it. So. <laughs> no, that's groovy, baby. Yeah, do I turn you on? Do I? <laughs> uh, so, uh, that's from, that's to my line manager. <laughs> Uh, so it's not just Duke Nukem, though. I mean, I've watched a few videos online all about the game's influence, and one of them pointed out that just the prevalence of chainsaws in Doom, for example, I think it's like one of the basically it's not an Evil Dead movie unless a chainsaw and dismemberment gets involved. So there's normally a chainsaw. There is normally uh, a double-barreled shotgun, which was christened in Army of Darkness as the Boomstick. Uh, so those are kind of mainstays of Doom. And again, people kind of associate, they say Doom, I'm not saying Evil Dead invented chainsaws, <laughs> but maybe chainsaws to slay demons. Um, yeah, as opposed to, you know, humans and trees. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I feel there's some sort of iconic imagery which also gets carried over. And this is all from people who, like us, got had their minds blown by the Evil Dead movies. And because oftentimes there wasn't really any game to properly support this, they just added a, a little bit of chainsaw, a little bit of boomstick to the games they were making. And I think that's the thing is because Evil Dead is one of those strange cases where it's maybe like one of the most successful cult films or at least franchises for something which was so cheaply made and so scrappily Mm. put together you know there was dozens of those kind of horror movies um being made uh about that time and, and none of them having the longevity and success and you know part of that is down to the skill and the inventiveness and the creativity despite the small budget but it's one of those things where it still feels cult, even if it has spawned multiple sequels and comic books and a TV show and video games and reboots and, you know, is successful enough to have Ash skin in Fortnite, you know, or um, mm. it's 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 peculiar because um, there's, you know, you can point to other examples, but even those movies like A Nightmare on Elm Street or Texas Chainsaw or, or, or whatever still feel weirdly more mainstream, at least in the public lexicon. Yeah. I feel like people don't necess- people maybe have heard of Evil Dead but don't really know what it is. I think part of the problem could be all the big horror franchises, it's the villain who's the icon. And while you that's the reason why you get Ash versus Freddy and Jason in the comics. In fact, I think there was a mooted ending for like Fred, one of the Freddy versus Jason movies with Ash was going to show up. Um, I think, yeah, it's, it's, without an absolutely iconic villain, I think it's pretty difficult 
It's just, it's just pretty difficult. No one's going to get dressed up in like a Bruce Campbell mask. Sad for, for sadly. But also, I think it's the the villain of the piece is fairly malleable, and even um, I don't know, like three seasons of a TV show and five movies in, I'm still not a hundred percent sure what the Deadites like deal is. And yeah, it's it's because you have and it does change from movie to movie as well. Even in that original trilogy, I think in Army of Darkness they're obsessed with getting the book. But in like Evil Dead One and Two, they seem completely disinterested in the Book of the Dead. Yeah, it's it's um, yeah. I mean to to sort of summarize for the uninitiated who've got this far, uh, it all does revolve around this Book of the Dead, and if you recite passages from the book, you resurrect spirits, evil spirits. Wait, 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 don't. Res- don't say any passages. Oh, sorry, on this I, I've got the back of the box right here. I was just trying to read. No, this. don't know. Kandor. <laughs> that's in a, that's going to be an Evil Dead sequel. Kandor. Um, no, <laughs> I'm not even joking. You're going to start saying Candyman five times, and then I'll be really upset. Um, but yes, these spirits then possess the living slash resurrect the dead, who seem to just then have like a ball. Like, their big deal is, like, giggling and laughing, swallowing souls, and doing nasty things to you in the process. And it's unclear whether they want, you know, they, like, join us, but it's just like, do they want all of humanity to join them? Do they just want to have a good time? Um, It's, it's, um... but I think that kind of works, because it can be whatever it wants to be in that respect. And it, I mean, beats, it means they're got... slightly different to, say, zombies, or they're slightly different towards just, I don't know, the Pope's exorcist-style, um, <laughs> you know. I haven't seen that. I haven't seen I've that seen a picture. I've seen a picture of, like, a chonky Russell Crowe Crow, uh, driving a Vespa with his, like, vestments flapping behind him. And, like, I actually really want to see this movie. Yeah. Um, I mean, actually, I just... I think we just need a footnote here. Um, despite not being an Evil Dead film, Sam Raimi's Drag Me to Hell, which came out kind of after he'd done the Spider-Man trilogy and was kind of his, like, I can still do horror film, is probably worth mentioning here. And a lot of people get turned off a bit by the poster and the name. Um, they they it think it's like, going to be again, RuPaul's they... Drag Race. <laughs> <laughs> oh... That's such a wonderful image. Um, especially if the grandma of that film is RuPaul. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, despite having... Because it came out during like the whole torture porn era as well. And I think a lot of people thought, I, I don't want to see something which is about going to hell. Um, it is going about going to hell. But it's, again, it's like a 12-rated movie in the UK, I think. And... Oh, it was. Well, maybe it was PG-13 in the States. I can't remember, but it is basically a cartoon again, and it's just completely silly and very funny. So do check that out. Um, and again, I'll just touch upon how I think it was it last year, or was it a bit earlier this year. I think it was last year. Sam Raimi returned to superhero movies to do um, Doctor Strange. Was it in the Multiverse of Madness? Uh, very divisive. I think I quite liked it, but I acknowledge all the criticisms against it. But I still got one or two scenes when Sam Raimi got to flex his Evil Dead muscles 
and have characters do very evil dead things. I didn't like it much at all, which no, is a shame. You're, you're in a majority. <laughs> it's a shame. No, again, for, I obviously, for a Sam Raimi fan, yeah. Yeah, I obviously really like Sam Raimi's horror work, and I do like his Spider-Man films too, and I think we talked a bit about that in our Spider-Man 2 episode where we talked about the Spider-Man 2 video game which features Bruce Campbell as the game narrator as well. Um, but yeah, no thank you, uh, Doctor Strange. I mean, <laughs> what, I'll th- what I'll say, I think we'll we'll get on to the 2013 film and Evil Dead Rise a little bit later on, but since we're talking about the Spider-Man 2 game, perhaps we should sort of properly start talking about the Evil Dead because um, usually when we do these episodes we pick like a a undisputed classic like spider-man 2 the game or goldeneye 007 here the hit rate of the evil dead games they've been they've got completely middling reviews for the most part is that correct yeah and i i think um and i think before we do talk about the more recent films it's worth going back to those games because they're very much squarely in the original trilogy Mm. ash uh sam raimi era of of the films um and patchy is is uh is the critical response but Mm. the the very first evil dead game is actually probably the only straightforward adaptation of any of the movies and that was Mm. way back in 1984 and it was released on the zx spectrum commodore 64 bbc micro the evil dead as it's known and i did watch some gameplay footage and the kind of intro title screen has the the famous graham humphreys artwork from the uk release because this is actually a british game and it was uh, released by Palace Software, which was the video game subsidiary of Palace Pictures, which was the film distribution company, I believe set up by Stephen Woolley, uh, who released The Evil Dead in the UK. So when it came to all the video nasty stuff and all that kind of thing, Palace Pictures was very much involved in defending The Evil Dead in, in that respect. But they made a, a Spectrum video game, which if you can kind of understand what's happening... Um, all credit to you. It's like a kind of top-down <laughs> thing where it does have the sort of layout of the cabin. I think I can make out what looks like a swing, kind of swinging, and uh-huh. a fireplace and a bed. But it just seems like, I guess, presumably you as Ash is like walking around collecting weapons, and every now and then what looks like a kind of little frog monster kind of chases you. And, um, <laughs> if you're scared of frogs, that would be a nightmare, but I'm not. Yeah, it's 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 very confusing. And I think it, it didn't actually get like a full solo release. It was released uh, within a game, I guess like kind of a B-side to a game called Cauldron, where you play as a witch. So it was in mm-hmm. the kind of um, the spooky uh, compilation, I suppose. Um, but yes, more a, a, a curio than a classic, presumably. Was there any other Evil Dead games for um, Hail to the King, which is the first one I'm properly aware of? No, that, that seems to be it. And so Evil Dead Hail to the King was released in 2000 on PS1, PC and Dreamcast. And that is the version 
of Evil Dead Hails of Chain I own and did play at time of release. And I remember all the promotional material surrounding it was, I think the poster was a quote from Bruce Campbell saying, this is the closest thing you'll ever get to Evil Dead 4. Not expecting there to be three seasons of a TV series directly following <laughs> the well, so Evil gr- Dead I mean, again, films. Like, for, for most of my fandom, it was like, because these films are so fitfully successful... It's like that we would I never could have imagined in my wildest dreams there would be like not only two reboots but also a full three seasons of a TV show. Um, so yeah, very much that was that was this is our chance. Voiced by Bruce Campbell, who voiced Ash in all the video games apart from that Spectrum one, I imagine. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there was any. <laughs> it, that was pretty much it. Just the sound of footsteps going. <laughs> I think I'm sure he would. He likes a paycheck. <laughs> Am I insane? I wouldn't necessarily say I'm crazy, simply because I've heard the voices and battled the godless things in the woods. But I must be crazy to believe. It all started with that damn book. The Necronomicon Ex Mortis, roughly translated, The Book of the Dead. Inked in human blood and bound in flesh, the book contained bizarre burial rites, prophecies, and demon resurrection passages. Professor Raymond Noby unearthed the book and brought it to this remote cabin where he could translate it. He awoke something dark in the woods, something evil. It got the professor. Then, it came for me. It got into my hand and it went bad. So I lopped it off at the wrist. The professor's daughter, Annie, helped me fight the evil. Using the book, we opened up a vortex to send the evil back. It worked. Big time. The girl died and I got a first-class ticket to the 12th century. I led a war against an army of Deadites and used the book to get back home. Back to Dearborn. Even got my old job back. Not to mention, I met a great gal. Jenny. Assistant manager, arts and crafts. We were the perfect match. But then, the nightmares came. For years, they haunted me, even when I was awake. Jenny thought I was crazy, but she agreed to help. We decided to go back to the cabin, back to where it all started. She said it would be good to face my fears. Big mistake. But, uh, yeah, hail to the king on the Dreamcast. I actually couldn't finish it but you actually played it to completion i remember yeah i mean this was at a point of my life where i had far much more time on my hands than i knew what to do with and it's it's a so evil dead hail to the chain it's it's a survival horror style game so it's very much indebted to the lights of resident evil and Alone in the Dark, and 
the the opening is effectively picking up after the events of Army of Darkness, and Ash is haunted by nightmares relating to the tavern and his new girlfriend permits him to go back to sort of get closure and you know bad stuff happens as as one would expect you know just the demons reappear jenny's like taken away and and um also one thing you can't really convey in a podcast is how terrible the cgi cutscenes look <laughs> i mean i don't i say terrible but um they are pretty, pretty basic. It's like one step up from uh, work. Is it, is it working for nothing? That MTV music video, money for nothing. Um, it's pretty bad, and the fact that Resident Evil was coming up with pretty decent, albeit still a bit basic CGI for Resident Evil two and three and things. Well, and this came out the same bit... year as Resident Evil Code Veronica, I think. Yeah, and the cutscenes of those kick ass. And that was yeah. I, so, the 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 problem with the game is that I mean, there's multiple problems, but I just remember, I I think the, that that the game starts with you in the cabin. It's very cool because it's just like oh, it's the exact same layout and looks it's, exactly like pre-rendered cabin. backgrounds looks perfect. Yeah. Unfortunately, what then happens is that you spend the first quarter or, or portion of a game wandering through and a forest that looks identical everywhere you go and then there's a whole section where you're literally in a hedge maze and it's just <laughs> like a labyrinth and the enemies just keep respawning and it's not anything yeah. you can anticipate they just pop out the ground you hit them with an axe you shoot them with a shotgun you slice them up with a chainsaw you finally defeat them, and then another one will respawn in its place, or one will spawn behind you, and you're constantly getting lost, you're constantly getting attacked, and it's just no fun whatsoever. And I can't believe I managed to push through. <laughs> I, I think if I had rented it or something, I would never have bothered, but it's like, I own this game. This is the closest thing we'll ever get to Evil Dead 4. Yeah. Bruce Campbell Man, said that's, so. That, that's, that would suck if that was a film. <laughs> and like go through a hedge maze. Yeah. It's it's maybe just like the worst possible start to a video game I can, I can remember encountering. Just ceaselessly Does it get annoying. Any better? There's, they go, you go to the... Disc 2, you go to the past. Not well, the that's, same past that's, of Medieval Dead. That's the that's the thing. The problem once you get past that, you do go to some slightly more interesting locations. Um, you do travel back to meet the person who wrote the original Book of the Dead, and so that opens up the game just a little bit more. And I will say it does have like a fun twist ending because like the Evil Dead films. You know, the ending is usually some kind of like little twist where you think everything's okay and it's definitely not. And spoilers for Evil Dead Hells of the King, but I guess we're kind of spoiling the the games and the original trilogy. We won't go ahead and spoil the more recent stuff. Um, you think you've kind of got rid of the evil and it's all been sucked into a, a big portal and you return back to your hometown and Ash is like, oh, it's so quiet and and stuff. Maybe it's a Sunday. And then you look around at a bookshop window 
And in it, it says Necronomicon bestseller for the past 300 weeks. <laughs> and there's like Necronomicon for dummies. There's um, <laughs> Little Barty and the Necronomicon, which looks like a Harry Potter book. There's uh, like Cliff. I love how like an editor like would go through this as well, like proofreaders and things. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, this all seems above board. Yeah. And then like Ash is like. The audio book. Yeah, exactly. And then Ash is like, no, no. Um, And yeah, it's an ending which doesn't really make any sense. But it's a very funny twist ending in the style of, yeah, the end of Evil Dead 2 or or the original Army of Darkness ending. Mm. It's, it's, I like those kind of endings because it's like not happy ending, (laughs) but amusing. Well, it's, what's, what's so good? I mean, again, this is, I do love the, smart ending of army of darkness as like a short film but i feel that the original ending of army of darkness where he's he's accidentally gone to a post-apocalyptic future i slept too long it feels more in character with both the series because the the two films beforehand end on like a on like a bit of a downer yeah um and also it's it's ash's own incompetence like no matter how much he he causes a problem and he fucks it up even more (laughs) yeah so yeah, I, I do wonder whether the I think they called it probably Evil Dead Hail to the King in a way to sort of take back Hail to the King from Duke yeah. Nukem. Just sort of we're entering the video game realm, so we're going to call it that for that reason. I want to see like a Comic Con video uh, picture of like uh, Ash and Duke Nukem shaking hands because they're best buddies. Really, they open a Planet Hollywood sort of <laughs> deal, <laughs> and then Ash uses his chainsaw hand and he's like, "Ha ha." Um, yeah. So, yeah, Evil Dead Hails of the Cain is is not a good game, and it's a shame because there's some fun stuff embedded in it, and I think the fact that it went back to the cabin and, and, and stuff, it was just like, oh, this is like the continuation of, this, of, the, of the saga. Um, but I think I, I can't imagine ever feeling the need to replay it, just no. purely because it's, it's, it's not that the game is necessarily broken, but... It really, um, I think they made like a big it, it, mistake with the respawning enemies is just, yeah, it's just it, a real it feels... pathetic way to like pad out gameplay. Yeah, it feels like it should have been play tested more. And usually a licensed game is kind of trying to meet the release of a, of a, 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 a accompanying film. And here they could have just worked on it a bit longer. I mean, I guess well, the money ran out or something. The, I, I, the studio who made it, Heavy Iron Studios, it looks like, according to Wikipedia, it was their first game, but they did go on to make a lot of particularly Pixar um, spin-off titles, like Ratatouille and Incredibles games. With all the respawning enemies um, and like Ratatouille. And they've I don't gone know what on to like, co-develop a bunch of big titles. I think they co-developed the Avengers game, the Marvel Avengers game with Square Enix. All right. Um, everyone's sort of weirdly off-model <laughs> because they can't use Chris Evans's face. Um so you know, I, I I feel like, yeah, there were there were probably a lot of issues with making this game, and yeah, it doesn't hold up. So, soz. But and unfortunately, uh, this is the only Evil Dead game I've actually played personally. <laughs> yeah, because it, it does get a sequel, um, like the story wise sequel, uh, A Fistful of Boomstick, and I watched a bunch of this on YouTube. I don't think it's a I mean, the Evil Dead trilogy, they they often don't 
exactly like evil dead 2 doesn't follow on directly from evil dead 1 because in evil dead 1 ash is like i think effectively being possessed by like the evil force he screeches and then evil dead 2 starts with him just happily driving to this cabin <laughs> in the woods with his girlfriend and then Army and then of darkness they had to reshoot footage from evil dead 2 to start that off due to rights issues and i yeah. believe that those licensing issues have now been resolved so now because there was a time where evil dead if you made something army of darkness related you couldn't mention evil dead 2 and vice versa so that's why there's like this weird continuity disconnect so much and yeah subsequent i think stuff. on the vhs on the vhs box it was called army of darkness the medieval dead which i thought was very clever um but I guess kind of in keeping with that, with that remit, which I'll say, actually, I have no issue with a film saying not bending over backwards, trying to like a lot of kind of sequels. Sometimes there's a dramatic ending on the previous film and then they have to like waste 15 minutes trying to get the film to where it needs to be for a sequel. And the army don't just like screw it. <laughs> well, I mean, we've, we've watched all those Resident Evil, Paul W. Sanderson yeah. movies, and none of those follow, and even that's the same writer and director right. each time. But my, my, my respect for that technique has gone down a notch, <laughs> but uh, the Evil Dead uh, game Fistful of Boomstick, I, I will admit I haven't played the ending of the previous game, and so I'm not, I'm not played this second game at all, but I don't know how to start. Yeah, it is a sequel. I think but with people doing a talk show... Oh god, I'm I'm really sort of messing this up here, but it doesn't seem to be like the whole world is dead yet at the start of the second game. No, I guess there is a slight bit of retconning going on in that respect because yes, Ash is, um, yeah, Ash is back, but everything seems to be normal until there's like this TV show, a cult TV show, which has a guest on who does recite passages from the book and then that gets broadcast. And I think that's like an interesting concept because everything has been, you know, I guess apart from Army of Darkness, where there is a plague of deadites across the land, it is more localised, you know, people within earshot listen to the recording yeah. and there's like the local demon contingent who <laughs> pop up, <laughs> but having it broadcast and then I guess that causing like mass possession around a whole community um opens up the story a bit more and the nature of the game is that it's more of a hack and slash actiony type thing rather than your survival horror style more mannered approach to combat and exploration and puzzles but um it kind of looks like a romp it looks at least at least it looks at least it looks more fun than the a hail to the king (laughs) Yeah, and like, yeah, yeah. so it's a kind of a hack and slash. I think the graphics look pretty decent for the time. Um, Ash gets to just be a badass, and like he does that move where he shoots enemies behind him, kind of, which he does in Army of Darkness, so he's like shooting someone with a shotgun while not even looking in their direction. That's pretty badass. Um, Hmm, there's just... I feel like I want to talk about... I guess I'll talk about this now. I think the... the problem with all these Evil Dead games is it's the wave after wave nature of Deadites, which, as you say, is a bit... is Army of Darkness, which is the final battle, and that's kind of more in that film. It's like because you've got a historical epic, you kind of have a battle at the end. But 
What Evil Dead is really about, and the through line of all the films, it's usually people you care about getting possessed and then being horrific. And, and also, like, it's very psychological, this, this giggling and things you're talking about. They're, they're, they are, unlike a zombie, unlike a lot of monsters, they are teasing and, and negging you, basically. Yeah. Um, the negging dead. <laughs> um so, I mean, I think we're going to talk about what our ideal Evil Dead game is later. But when I'm watching these YouTube videos in Fistful of Boomstick, and then the next film, Regeneration, and Evil Dead the game, which is the latest game, they look Evil Dead. They sound Evil Dead because Bruce Campbell is still doing the voice. Like the Evil Dead the game just looks absolutely incredible. Um, but you're also going to loot crates constantly get pick up legendary weapons and i get really just what the evil dead should be is that you're on the back foot you are getting by by the skin of your teeth and it seems just not evil dead to have wave after wave of indiscriminate enemies and yeah that's kind of I think it depends on how you're, like I said, like the Evil Dead franchise is a bit of a sliding scale, whether it's like horror or comedy. And I think in the same way, it's like, you know, action or, you know, claustrophobic, psychological nastiness. Um, so I think it, it, it is flexible, it is malleable in, in that respect. So I think it just, in terms of a video game, naturally, you're going to slide the scale towards action and, and combat um mm. if you want to pull in the punters and I, well i think particularly in the early 2000s that's maybe the easiest way to do it i don't think any of these games were necessarily expecting to be classics or heralded as pioneers of their genre they're probably thinking well it'll be fun for a weekend rental um for your evil dead fans who'll complete it and never think about it again Okay, you horror flick fanatics, it looks like the Evil Dead movies might be a thing of the past. So if you're still craving more blood, guts, and Evil Dead gore, you'll want to play the game Evil Dead Regeneration. I would hope that the the unstoppable Evil Dead fans will be satisfied with this game. I think they will enjoy the addition of the sidekick. Of the, literally, the sidekick character, uh, Sammy, played by Ted Raimi, who I just think is terrific. Lord of unholy... What is your malfunction, shrimp? Quit pole dancing on my leg. So there's a lot of banter of those two yahoos. Look, I think fans like, they like the carnage and mayhem, but they like a little humor too. So it's a good blend of that. It is time to release the power of the dead. Are you talking to me, Doc? Or is this another one of your crazy mad scientist rants? So regeneration, I mean, there's not really much to say about Boomstick other than there's a bit more time travel and lots of ways of enemies. A re- regeneration is 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 similar. Um, it doesn't follow the story of uh, Hail to the King or Fistful of Boomstick. This one is sort of more of a direct sequel to Evil Dead Two. I don't even know if it acknowledges Evil Army of Darkness at all, but it starts with Ash in an insane asylum, and uh, I think for like murdering loads of people in the cabin, <laughs> and. Um, that is effectively, though, the training level. The owner of the asylum downstairs reads the Book of the Dead and causes the asylum to get possessed. And you learn all the ropes. But you also meet, I think this is the, the main 
selling point I remember at the time. Uh, you meet a sort of tiny sidekick, like a little person, but he's half deadite. He's half human. He's called Sam, named after Sam Raimi, but he's voiced by his brother Ted. And he's got this kind of wise guy personality. And I actually really enjoyed his humour and the, like, the relationship between Ash and Sam. But he's used both to solve puzzles and kill people. And the way you do this is like kick Sam on the bottom into things. If, and usually like he set him on fire and then kick him into something to set that thing on fire. Or you can kick him into enemies and he like pulls the enemy's head off. So... It's this broad humour that they've had really since Army of Darkness, but um, it looked like a lot of fun. And I think that story-wise, not to get too much into Ash versus Evil Dead, but um, what I liked about Ash versus Evil Dead, the TV series, is that I didn't expect it to be so in enmeshed within the original movies. Um, mm. I won't sort of spoil it too much as I know you haven't watched it all, but there's a lot of talk about, particularly in the second season, um, where I think they could finally talk about Army of Darkness or they could sort of, you know, tie things together rights wise. Um, Ash goes back to his hometown and everyone calls him Ashy Slashy because he went to this cabin and killed all these people because, <laughs> you know, that's his reputation around town. So people think he was like this psychotic murderer who's just, you know, got out of prison effectively. Um, and there's a bit more stuff like they introduce Ash's dad and, you know, you get these kind of like... Yeah, oh, Ash's dad, he's paid, he's paid by a $6 million man. Yeah, What's Lee Majors. Um, yeah, it's a really good... Good choice. So there's like, um, and you, you know, there's lots of stuff about, um, you know, the original cabin and the book and Professor Nobi, who is the guy who read the incantations in Evil Dead 2. So there's uh, what I really appreciated about that and the fact that it also was Sam Raimi directing, I think, the pilot episode of that was that it's very much it the the hot the comedy is really amped up it's very much like a very goofy comedy show it's like army of darkness but it also mm. has like evil dead levels of gore like it's maybe some of the most disgusting things i've ever seen in a film or a tv show <laughs> but um i appreciated that i appreciate how wow. the title in each episode appears in a splatter of blood usually like in the opening like minute of the show someone's head gets like sliced in half and they'll just like splash and say ash versus evil dead at the front with the you See, know why am i why am i giggling at this stuff i think you know, um if my uh wife she was like um what she asked me was why do you like this stuff and i really had to think about it it's not because it's violent i think it's just because it's just it just crossed the line so much. I mean, one of the most famous bits in, I think, both Army of Darkness and Evil Dead 2 is when, like, Deadite gets shot and then the most enormous amount of blood comes out. I mean, there's a scene in Evil Dead Rise where somebody vomits and it reminds me of um, Team America World Police where like, that guy is just vomiting into the sidewalk. It's just so much. And you just start laughing because it's so ridiculous. Yeah, it's um, very much like a, I can't believe what I'm seeing style. So thing. like it's a, 
It sounds like you'd recommend the TV show. Like, for some bizarre reason, I've not really watched much. And again, you'd think because I've been wishing for an Evil Dead 4 for so long. And I know a few other Evil Dead fans are the same. I think part of it is that there's perhaps too much of a good thing. In the same way that's like just too much Star Wars now. Where, like, something quite special becomes quite average. Yeah, and I think... You know, you can see that with the Evil Dead games. Um, something quite special becomes something quite average, <laughs> I, I think, through that. And there, yeah, to, to an extent, it is like... I can see it because, again, everything Army of Darkness relates to Ash. Army of Darkness definitely colours all for future iterations of Ash. And it's sort of how much can you tolerate a belligerent, sort of misogynist, mm. asshole character yeah my favorite ash is is basically as as much as as much as i love the line groovy i think my favorite version of ash is up until he says groovy and then he just becomes this sort of asshole superhero yeah and i i think also with you know i realized when i finished watching the first season of ash versus evil dead i was like that i've now seen more evil dead content or Ash content, like Bruce Campbell playing Ash on screen in this one season, then in the entirety of the first three movies. Um, And I I will say the first season is a little bit wonky in some respects. Um, But I think second season is, is really good. And the third as well. Mm, Um, Okay. So I've got, it's a beautiful Sunday. It's beautiful, sunny weather outside. I think I'll stay in and watch army of um i'll watch evil dead season one (laughs) okay well uh, yeah i think it's disappearing off netflix at the end of this month so like basically today so why why does netflix like (laughs) there's an evil dead film out now but they take it off um so yeah i i definitely sort of recommend ash versus evil dead for those who who want that kind of yeah, that mix of sort of goofy horror and and also because it was like filmed, I think, in New Zealand as well, and it, a lot of the crew and and such, the kind of filming community from Xena and Hercules, you know, they kind of built up that production company, and so they, I think, do a lot of the um, the TV series, and even Evil Dead Rise was filmed in New Zealand, and I think the same sort yeah. of cinematographer from the TV show is on there, and the same gore affects people it's just like oh you want mm. gallons of blood yeah we can do gallons of blood um but i i think in terms of the um just to go back to to the games um it all was very quiet after regeneration the fact it's kind of like because that was again that sort of sequel or not to evil dead 2 and Again, talking about Ash vs. Evil Dead in relation to that, it's like working out which ending of the original trilogy you're then launching off from and how much you're kind of tying into the past. It's You can kind of see where, you know, you maybe want to make a kind of clean break of that stuff. And what I appreciate about Evil Dead the game, the the latest one, there was there was Army of Darkness Defense, which was a mobile phone tower defense game released in 2011, which I did not play mm-hmm. and I do believe is no longer available. But by all accounts was maybe one of the better Evil Dead titles. Oh, right. Okay. Um, just by virtue of being maybe quite simplistic. Um, but yes, Evil Dead the game 
What I appreciate with that is the fact that probably due to licensing issues being resolved, it does bring back everything from every era. You have Army of Darkness characters with original movie, Evil Dead characters, Ash vs. Evil Dead TV show characters. I saw a video where like there was basically four people playing four different versions of Ash. Yeah. And yeah. they were noticeably different because he looked so young in the first film. And I think it's... It's it's a it's an asymmetrical multiplayer game, um, very much like Friday the Thirteenth, the game, and Dead by Daylight, and Dead by Daylight of of which there was an Ash skin um, for that game originally. Although recently there was an interview with Bruce Campbell who was basically saying he doesn't like the idea of Ash being licensed out to uh, other games. I think he was talking because there was a People thought he was going to be in Mortal Kombat 11 as one of the guest characters, right. and I think he was teased as such. But then the deal fell through, so he didn't appear. So he's being asked about, well, will Ash appear in Mortal Kombat 12? And he says, I don't like Ash being in other games. It's just like you were in Fortnite and Dead by Daylight, Bruce Campbell. Um, but <laughs> uh, never mind. Um, but also Dead by Daylight is getting its own film adaptation um, from Blumhouse and Atomic Monster Productions, so... That will be on the podcast in the future, I'm sure. But it definitely seems like asymmetrical multiplayer is where I've got a horror franchise, so I need to do a sort of four versus one style uh, horror scenario. So that's why you had Friday the 13th, but then there was Predator Hunting Grounds coming up. We got Killer Clowns from Outer Space and Texas Chainsaw Massacre uh, asymmetrical multiplayer games as well. So God, I, don't, I don't think all of those franchises fit this sort of gameplay. Because, like, as I said, I, I watched... I watched, I think I watched a couple of videos like where they're just recording themselves play Evil Dead the game. I know it's different when you're watching this sort of thing on YouTube and to actually playing it and being there, but I found it completely bewildering. <laughs> and also, well, I, I genuinely love the Friday the 13th asymmetrical game or asymmetric game because in that that film series, there's like one enemy and he's he's a physical entity he's obviously he's supernatural the strong and like maybe a zombie depending on what film you're watching but you get to either be jason or you know jason is out there somewhere but the gameplay i watched of evil dead the game was it was yet again people running around finding like highlighted loot crates getting a car driving around a bit and then out of the complete darkness, just loads of like zombies come and start hacking at you and things. And it just didn't feel like the mood or tone of Evil Dead. Now, like, again, I want to emphasize, doesn't mean that it's not heaps of fun. Doesn't mean that it doesn't look sound. And like they had lightning, the light of lightning cracking through the trees. Uh, I'm looking forward to playing on Switch when none of that will be there. <laughs> because that's coming up for switch and you know that's the thing I've, i'm playing like no more sky no um no man's sky at the moment on switch and i'm like deliberately avoiding any screenshots from like the xbox or playstation versions because i'm like i'll just uh, it will just ruin the game for me <laughs> but um but yeah like i said it looks great i'm very happy for evil dead game success but i feel like the best evil dead game is still to be made I'm Bruce Campbell. You know me as Ash Williams, the dude who saved the world from evil. I'm here to bring you the lowdown on the upcoming Evil Dead, the game. (laughs) 
You and your friends will team up as classic Evil Dead heroes to live the nightmare. You'll use savage finishing moves or tear evil a new one. Or, if you're not into the whole save the world thing, we have another option. You can play as the vile Kandarian demon itself. But who would want to do that? He'd be a dick. With the power of possession in your arsenal, you'll scare those goody two-shoes to death. Literally, you can do that if you're a dick. Whether you choose the path of evil or righteousness, you'll be throwing down in places you've seen before. You'll collect pages of the Necronomicon, uncover Nobi's lost tapes, and track down other legendary artifacts. When you've grabbed enough, you'll use a spell to send the Kandarian son of a bitch back to the hellhole it came from. Soon, you'll experience the horror yourself, but for now, I'll leave you with this thought. It was no accident that Ash always wore brown pants. Well, what would be your pitch? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a Telltale Games game again. Like we always say whenever we deal with any film franchise which has a bit of a narrative. I mean, actually, that's quite funny because the Evil Dead films are usually just not really about the narrative but um what the thing actually my pitch would be it wouldn't be so much an action game you would have a cast of likable characters in a cabin but there would be a possession randomizer so every time you start the game it would absolutely randomize who becomes a deadite and i think that'd be quite fun it would just mean you'd replay it quite a lot and like any action moments would be like the action moments in the walking dead game in the batman uh, telltale games where you know it's really just like what bit are you going to chainsaw what bit are you going to dismember and be sort of maybe a quick time event or something but i think the the fun thing would be that it'd probably probably be like a short game like two or three hours but every there'll be like i think the only character which wouldn't be possessed would be yourself and i think that would just be really interesting well i was thinking if you were going to model which Evil Dead film would best suit a game I would go with Army of Darkness mm -hmm. and basically it'd be like Red Dead Redemption you but like the game, DLC or <laughs> spin-off Undead Nightmare which was very right. good actually it was basically the Red Dead Redemption world except it's like what if there was a zombie outbreak mm -hmm. um, so you have slightly different missions and side quests and, and uh, atmosphere but just the fact that you could ride around this maybe open world on horseback and maybe a bit like The Witcher 3 or something, you find little villagers which have been attacked by demons mm -hmm. and you have to go do little side quests. So it'd be like kind of open Red world Dead Redemption. horror uh, action RPG style thing. It's probably, you know, the best model that I could find yeah. for an Evil Dead adventure I game. I love the sound of that. All right. So, you know, if you're listening, Sam Raimi <laughs> <laughs> or Bruce Campbell, we want to license your face again. <laughs> um, so I think we've covered the games as best as we can. Um, it's just worth touching upon, before we wrap things up, the latest iterations of Evil Dead. Um, the 2013, uh, is it, that's called 
So here's the thing, there is the Evil Dead and Evil Dead. And I think the 2013 is called Evil Dead. Now, I have to, you have to forgive me, I've forgotten all of the character names, but um, we ended up going to like the UK premiere of that, is that correct? Or was it just a special screen? I, I, yeah, maybe it was just, I think it was maybe like the first public screening in the UK, mm-hmm. possibly. They had a cabin outside the cinema, which was quite special. And there was a Q&A with the director of the star at the end. I think we might have touched this on an early episode, but the Q&A was really cringe. <laughs> so <laughs> Q&As we are generally always cringe. <laughs> They're always cringe. I think if, uh, if, uh, if I ever opened up the Book of the Dead, my nightmare scenario would be they start ask, people start asking me questions about the film I've just made, but in a really sort of passive-aggressive way. <laughs> um, it's more of a comment is- than a question. <laughs> no! That would be the end of an Evil Dead film. Nah. Um, anyway, here's the thing. Um, it didn't do. S- I think like a lot of horror films of a, of a mid medium medium budget, it, it made its money back. But I don't think it it didn't kickstart any sort of sequels or or you know the the world of that 2013 film is kind of hermetically sealed at this point. Although I do think those characters ended up in as skins in this Evil Dead game. I, yeah, I, I don't know if I'm. Yeah. Okay. So there's that. Here's the, so in later years though, I think it's come. I mean, I quite enjoyed it at the time, but at the time I was like, it doesn't. It was it was good, but I it didn't. I didn't have the affection for it as I did the original trilogy. And again, it was probably in that mindset of there was no Evil Dead TV show. You know, this was like our one chance to get Evil Dead content. So there was maybe a lot more riding on it than than was kind of fair. Yeah, I I haven't gone back to it since i have it on dvd but i haven't watched it since i saw it at the cinema and really yeah and i I think it's it's because it's like really nasty like yeah and i i think it it does that really well maybe almost too well but um i just remember being in a very kind of panicky sweat watching that film (laughs) just like so i it wasn't like uh it's it's scary um but it, I think the main thing is that it's just, like, really intense. And there's not yeah. much... There is some, like, again, with Deadites, they're kind of, like, cackling and, ha-ha, we're gonna get you kind of, like, style. Um, mm. But, you know, th- there is a, an extent of that, but it's not... There's not much levity in that film. It, it, when it's, like, the ultimate experience and grueling terror, I think that it does that more than any of the other Evil Dead films and people watched that remake and were like uh evil dead's always got comedy like even the first film and i feel like no the first film was never about like comedy it's humorous there's like dark humor and stuff but it is trying to be scary like the whole time mm-hmm. and so yeah i i think it is i think it does its job very well and i, I think it is good but it, it yeah it was like a real kind of like, ah, phew, I'm glad that's over when I watched it. Yeah, so the model of that film was very much they wanted to... The model was the first film of the remake. The model that they want to recreate the experience of the first film for like a modern audience. And again, I mentioned the torture porn thing. I think that was there as well. But um, 
I kind of accidentally watched it twice in like a six month period because I think I got it on a charity shop DVD and I thought I'll give this another go and I, I really enjoyed it and then I watched it with a friend who's like I really fancy watching Evil Dead like her you know, she just really likes her horror so we watched that and I said oh I'll watch it again um it's actually really good and you should definitely check it out um since you you actually own it uh you are right though it's it is kind of kind of humorless but the performance of the central possessed uh lady in that and both this and evil dead rise which we'll get to in a moment they have just the most fantastic performances from like the possessed people and it must be so much fun to act as a deadite because you just get to be completely without um any sort of of um i'm just trying to think moral of the words compass. just no no, moral compass no rules just to be completely ridiculous i think fun but also incredibly exhausting from the lots of things i can imagine so although i've seen a behind the scenes video of evil dead rise and i think a lot of people things a lot of horror films especially intense horror films there's just so much levity on set and there's a lot of dancing there's a lot i saw a lot of deadite dancing in this behind the scenes footage um so yeah you, you're right there's i think out of all the films um barring a scene in the first film where somebody's ankle gets penetrated by a pencil um i think out of all the films evil dead 2013 has the nastiest stuff and it is quite a test on the old uh stomach perhaps when you're watching it but yeah i don't think it deserved to didn't get thrown under the bus but it kind of became like this thing no one really talked about and what people really wanted was more ash at that time but then uh, here we are with Evil Dead Rise, which seems to be doing very well at the box office. And uh, you've seen it. I've seen it. What did you think of Evil Dead Rise? Well, I, I think it's it's definitely on that sliding scale trying to get a bit more towards the Evil Dead 2 side of things. Only by a, a smidge, just in relation to the 2013 Evil Dead. Um as such, I don't think it's, like, as intense as that film. I don't think it's as, like, creative or inventive as the Raimi movies. And, you know, for all the nasty stuff and bloodletting that happens, I think I've seen more stomach-churning things in Ash vs. Evil Dead, like the TV show. Um, but, you know... And in, in for all those things, I, I did think it was pretty good. What I think it succeeds in doing is that while there have been versions of Evil Dead which have not featured a cabin in the woods, and there have been versions of Evil Dead which have not featured Ash, this, does, this has neither, and... I think this proves that there is life beyond Ash and the Cabin. The fact that Evil Dead does revolve around this book and you can apply this book which resurrects deadites in these different scenarios. You know, it's it's not bound to any one individual or any one location. And what I while maybe some of the things that make Evil Dead Evil Dead recognizable are absent. And as a result, maybe some of the elements of it feel a bit more generic. Um, I think it was just a, a, a pretty fun, pretty gnarly, 
ride, which I enjoyed. And I think also the fact that it revolves around this um, family who are kind of a cool family. I was expecting them to be like a bit more sort of like dowdy, um, mm. like... They're a cool modern family. Yeah. Because there's, there's always like these 80s movies, especially and maybe 90s horror movies. It's all about protecting the traditional family unit. But that's just, that's boring and really conservative. Yeah. And we want a cool tattooist mum with her cool kids. Yeah. I thought they were going to sort of like amp up the incongruity of like, oh, like mummy at home baking pies and collecting kids from school or, or whatever is like, you know, possessed. Yeah, leave those kids at school. um yeah leave them at the school um so that's i appreciated that and so i think in that sense the 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 core unit of um victims uh so to speak are the ones which i kind of warmed to the most um out of any of the movies and the ones who i sort of wished for their survival the most out of any of the movies so I, i kind of warmed to them quite quickly so I think it did a very good job of making you care about the characters and making you, as a result, then wince through all the nasty stuff that um, happens to them. But again, it's more sort of like darkly humorous and plays that stuff up um, a bit more than the 2013 film. So um, it's it may be... I'll take another watch again to sort of see how I feel about it in in general my instant impression was like i wish this one was maybe a little bit better or i wish this maybe a little bit nastier but um yeah i think it was pretty cool well there you are hey there cutie You don't look so good, Mom. Nothing a big old hug and kiss from you won't fix. Open up now. Like a good girl. That's it. Come on now. Do it for mom and dad. I had a total blast of this, but you talking about it, it does make me realise, yeah, perhaps the creativity was ever so slightly less. When I get, like, because when you think of Evil Dead and especially Evil Dead 2, you're seeing shots you've seen no one else attempt and just just cr- just crazy avant-garde c- cinematography and stuff so it's it just feels a it feels a bit wrong to say that for me because it's basically saying the only issue with the film is that it's not directed by sam raimi and like who else can do it i mean that pilot of um ash versus evil dead is is pure distilled raimi and, and those sequences in doctor strange in the multiverse of madness again that i feel it's just like, oh, that feels good, that Sam Raimi. I mean, everyone points to Dr. Octopus escaping the hospital in Spider-Man 2 because having sort of reined it in a bit with Spider-Man 1, he just goes full tilt in Spider-Man 2 with the escape sequence of Dr. Octopus. And I um, think it's important so- as well for the director and writer of this film, Lee Cronin, as well to not just ape Raimi yes. shots. You know, it has to be his own thing. And in that yeah. it succeeds. 
well, if he didn't want to ape Sam Raimi, he could have just made his own movie then. <laughs> but um, his thing, though, uh, I didn't, as I say, I wasn't really cognizant of that until you mentioned it now. Uh, what I did really appreciate was the return to the mocking, just nasty humour that the Deadites have. Like, from the moment that one of the characters gets possessed, I mean, they're on the poster, um, but... Uh, I don't know whether to spoil or not. I think I could avoid spoilers. You know, they are mocking the other characters and it's just Nazi. And it's kind of like in a zombie movie when someone doesn't want to shoot their relative or their friends because, oh, it's still them. Um, when you know they're not here. Well, I think it's in the trailer and on the poster. So Okay, yeah. So the, the mum gets possessed. And I think one thing I just forgot, about like the Evil Dead films, and perhaps this is why people are, are saying, oh God, I can't believe this happens, is that a lot of modern horror does play it really safe, and you, you know, they, certain people just categorically won't get possessed or, or hurt or in any trouble. And actually this film does a great job of, of making me feel that nobody is going to be safe. And um, I really worried for certain characters and like they would actually get possessed and then really didn't make it to the end. Um, and, and I think so, that's even the case with Evil Dead 2. You know, Ash, the hero, spends good portions of that film possessed and evil trying to kill other people. <laughs> and when I feel like a lot of... I don't want to sound like a horror snob, but I'm going to be a horror snob. And when people say... Like, oh, I can't believe they use a cheese grater in this way in Evil Dead Rise. I can't believe this stuff happened. There's, there's me who watches that scene being like, you know, I, I saw Martyrs and I laughed. And I, I, and I just, I feel like it's like you need to see more horror films if you think that's extreme cinema. So the it's whole like cheese extreme... grater thing has been blown out of proportion. It's a fun yes. it's a fun thing to mention as a like here's a little gag and be like, you'll never see a cheese grater in the same way again. It's just like I saw that bit and I was just like, whatever. <laughs> that yeah. says more I mean, about it's, me. <laughs> it's it's not bad. And yeah, it's probably just as more about us as like we, we, we watch a lot of horror. But um maybe just for mainstream audiences, it gets a bit of a buzz. Loads of people go to see it. And they can't believe they're seeing what they're seeing, but you and I have seen far worse. <laughs> I did see it with a friend who's an avowed. Um, he said he hadn't been to see a horror film in like maybe a decade. He's not a horror guy, but he finished that film saying he had a great time, and he didn't realize how much fun it was going to be. And so yeah, we were watching it. There was definitely moments where I was like, "Oh my god," um, which is it's like a roller coaster. Is what you want to see. Yeah. So hopefully, because this film's been very successful. Um, it gives the series a shot in the arm. I don't think I ever want to see Ash again. I mean, you know, for all my enjoyment of Doctor Strange, I really didn't like Bruce Campbell in that film. He's like pizza popper. I like the end. There's like a there's, there's a there is a um, post credit sequence which I knew we we're going to see him again, and we did. And he, he says a line, and I quite enjoyed that because I kind of trolled people who sit to the end of the credits. I kind of felt but, that. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness was a point at which Sam Raimi's shtick actually hindered the film mm. rather than enhanced it. And I thought the whole Bruce Campbell pizza popper stuff was actually awful. And it's, it's a shame. <laughs> and this is coming from someone who loves Evil Dead and Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell. And that was just like, 
you know, there's sometimes where it's like you a director can bring something to the Marvel machine, and then there's some where it's just like this is not a good fit. It's just like Sam doing his own Spider-Man stuff that works because he's created that tone and setting and that universe, but him trying to like put like make Benedict Cumberbatch do like goofy stuff and you know it's just like it's like oil and water you know I don't want to go too far into spoilers for that film even though again like all Marvel films it's tremendously popular and successful um but that right after meeting Pizza Popper like they step on like some sort of bit of pavement which reveals your tragic backstory and like what the fuck is going on <laughs> this is like insane maybe i've mentioned it before but they're in this alternate universe and they step out into traffic and it's just like oh in this universe red means go and green means stop so that would suggest that red is good and green is bad but then later on, there's a big warning flashing sign when there's this breakout in this jail or, or whatever. And everything's flashing red. And you think, in this universe, it'd be flashing green. Oh, yeah. No, it would say be green so warning, warning, green. warning. Man, those Marvel movies, man. Who wants endless sequels? But I'd love endless sequels for Evil Dead. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm looking forward to Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It comes out. Um, so, yeah, like, things are looking perhaps good for evil dead uh cinema maybe that will make more evil dead games uh who knows there seems to be a series which is perpetually snatching victory from the jaws of defeat so you know i'm glad you've had a nice long chat of i think we often call ourselves nintendo kids but i think we are both also evil dead kids and you know we'll wait and see what the future brings (laughs) Thank you, Papa Sam. Yeah. So we'll be tackling uh, more video game movies or movies based on video games or influential movies on video games <laughs> later on. But in the meantime, how can people keep in touch with games on film? More information on the podcast and video game movies is on our website, gamesonfilm.witsite.com slash podcast. We're on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at gamesonfilmpod where we share the latest about our episodes as well as the latest video game movie news. So please do follow us there for all the latest hot goss. You can also follow me on Twitter at Rory Steele. I am at Only Man Who Can. And all episodes of the podcast are available wherever you get your podcasts, be it Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Acast. So please do like, rate, review, share and subscribe. And you can contact us, Games on Film Pod at gmail.com if you want to get a more direct method of communication and the music for this episode was composed by david lightford don't send us any like wav files of the necronomicon yeah we won't play it (laughs) be very upset and also possessed (laughs) uh great well i've had a groovy time i hope you have too i've been harry i have been rory Take care. Bye-bye. Hail to the king.
shut it off. Conda.